0: You're listening to a Mint Podcast. Brought to you by HD Smartcast.
1: Hello listeners, welcome to the latest episode of Why Not Mint Money. I'm your host, Josh Kriplani. The Reserve Bank of India has launched the account aggregator framework which aims to put all your finances in one place. In today's episode, we are joined by Bertram D'Souza, who is the CEO of Protean Account Aggregator and the Convener of a Steering Committee, to talk more on this.
2: Welcome to Why Not Mint Money, a personal finance podcast where we help you understand basic money concepts and share strategies for you to build your wealth. So let's get started with your money
0: journey.
1: Hi Bert, we wanted to chat with you about the AA Framework. So can you tell us how the AA Framework will change life for people like
2: you and me? Thanks, Josh, and thanks so much for having me here. The AA Framework is one of the first, I would say, consent managers that was launched in India. The whole purpose of the consent managers has been so that the citizen should have complete control over their data. Today, you have so many apps, and with digital booming the way it has, with the revolution of digital Uh, Infrastructure, you also have data which has been made freely available to people. To keep a tab and control on that, the whole idea of consent frameworks came in. And now, with the DPDP Act, Act, which is also getting enforced soon, we should basically see a much more stringent way of interpreting consent managers and their roles. So, the account aggregator is a consent manager framework for the financial sector. It covers four regulators today. So, you have RBI, SEBI, PFRDA, IRDA, and you also have GSTN as part of the network. You also can expect there to be a few more you know, coming onto this network because anyone who has data which is usable and of value to the financial sector at large is ideally somebody who should be part of the AA framework. And to your question how this will transform the lives of people is today when you go to an entity and you seek a loan, in the old days you used to go with papers Then when digital happened, people started with a PDF upload of the bank statements. Account aggregators are now fully digitizing that process. So from an app, you can just go and select your bank where your data sits. And all of the data is now transferred digitally completely to the seeker of that data. They use this online with your consent and come back to you with a loan offer. So that's how it's really changing lives. Lending being the primary use case.
1: Right. Apart from lending, what are the other use cases that you're seeing
2: and what are some of the use cases that you foresee going ahead? Great question. So, today in the market, through the last maybe couple of years since the account aggregator framework has been scaling up, we now have a cumulative number of almost 40 million kind of consents uh, that are happening. And it just shows that the use cases have gone beyond lending to uh, wealth management, personal finance management. And we also see with insurance and with SEBI data going on the network there are a lot of news use cases coming out in the capital market side of things as well as on the insurance side so when I say capital markets and insurance insurance an example could be today an insurer would use your bank data in adjacency to your health data to be able to create a better profile view of your financial health and your physical health while well, they take a decision on underwriting and on your premiums all of this can now happen digitally Uh, On the capital market side, again, for uh, an app or a digital platform, looking to uh, prediction of your investment patterns, looking at your history of money accumulated, not just in your savings account, because now you have so many different uh, sources of data. You have data coming in also from your depository uh, and from your pension. So it has a complete view of your financial assets, and they can make a recommendation to you on how you can actually deploy your funds better. So there are a lot of new creative use cases. Uh, I would like to add that digital infrastructure really has not been the innovation itself. It has been the enabler of innovation. So account aggregator is another one of them. We had UPI, which has really set a really high goal for everyone, but with account aggregator over the next three to five years, we expect that consented data is going to become as commonly in demand as payments that happen today.
1: Uh, And what are the challenges you're seeing here? Because there are so many regulators involved, there are so many players from different segments and sub-segments of the financial industry. Uh, Are you seeing any challenges on the ground in terms of uh, integration of information, integration of data?
2: So in terms of how it's structured, just to put it very simply, you have three roles which exist on the account aggregator framework. One is of the AA itself, the account aggregator, and the AA is data blind. So the interesting aspect of the AA and how it operates is any consent that it is storing is something that it does on behalf of the customer and it ensures that the customer gives permission to entity one to seek data from entity two that record of the permission is kept extremely safe and secure one and two is it also allows the person to go back and view these consents and to pause a consent or revoke a consent at any point of time. So I have full control over my consent manager, over my my future you know, interactions of how they're going to look like between my data seekers and data providers. So that is the first role. And that's the role which the consumer interacts with on a day-to-day basis. The second role is that of the data seeker. So somebody like a lender or a wealth manager or an insurance provider, they would essentially go to the account aggregator to seek this consented data. And that is where you have a lot of data provided to them. Now you have entities who sit in between the AAs and the FIUs, as we call them, which are your technology service providers who work for the FIUs. And they take this data and they analyze the data and give the analyzed output to the FIUs, which help them to take that and do faster decision making. The most commonly used one is, for example, the bank statement analyzer. So you have that layer, which is on the FIU side. And on the second side, you have what's called the data providers or what we call the FIPs, financial information providers. FIPs are entities who have the data, they are the data fiduciaries, but they are sharing the data on behalf of the customer. And to know for sure that the customer has consented, in today's account aggregator construct, you have an OTP that goes to the customer, which says that someone is seeking access to your six-month bank financial statement records, provide this OTP for that specific intended purpose. So every access to your data has a certain intended purpose code. And the user, once they give their OTP to the lender's portal or the FIU's portal, get access to this data. Right. So these three distinct roles are completely independent of each other. And like I said, on both the FIP and FIU side, you have technology players supporting them. Right,
1: right. Yeah, but but what about, you know, challenges out there because We also hear that you know say some capital market people brokers out there fintechs who are trying to create a pfm sort of scenario they are not able to get say investment date or the acquisition price of the product of the original investment and that sometimes creates gaps in you know their ability to provide service so at what stage of implementation we are at and why these small niggles here and there
2: sure So today the way the AA schemas work, so you have something called as data provider schemas. There are three types of schemas. One is what we call the profile schema. The second is a summary schema. And the third is a transaction schema. So in your profile schema, it basically gives information about the entity or the individual or the MSME. In the case of summary, it gives you a count. So it's an example of a holding count or an overall summary of your portfolio, but without giving a transactional breakdown. And the third one, like I mentioned, is your transactional schema, which has a transaction by transaction level, like a six month buying statement with a line for every record. So that is typically how these three schemas work. Again, to your point, some of the data fields today, which are required by industry innovators, if I were to put it that way, are still work in progress and these schemas are still evolving. So on day zero, it's unlikely for something as new as AA, it to have everything perfect out of the box. So we are definitely working as an ecosystem to keep expanding the schemas, to keep bringing in more data elements. And this will require also standardization because the one big thing that AA has brought in is it's created a standard pipe to fetch. If AA wasn't there, imagine a company who is seeking this data would have to go to five, 10, 100 different entities and each of those entities would have completely different formats and different schemas. So there is a standardization of schemas that have happened. Which is not an easy task that in itself is a massive feat and now within each of these schemas we are expanding the fields so that the seeker can get more value out of it
1: right right and but you know we have already seen so much of happening on the digital front in india for example with digi locker now there is a talk that it filing and it returns will also be easy to access from your digi Aadhaar issued is already there and card is there so how big a revolution this can be how it can complement to this growing aa framework any uh, thoughts on this
2: again a great question in today's day and age i think it's taken for granted a lot of the success we have happened in the last five ten years and we look back and we call it india's decade in so many forums essentially on the back of aadhaar which happened you had the payments layer which came in with upi You also have the identity layer which came in with DigiLocker, with EKYC, and with eSign, which made a lot of physical processes completely digital. Including now with eMandates, you can set up a standing instruction, which is a recurring standing instruction on your uh, account to do loan collections. So if a person needed a loan, again, 20 years ago, you would have to walk up to a branch physically, sign in a bunch of papers, give the the Natch forms, which you would need to physically submit, And look at it today. You can just go to a digital lending app, of course, subsequent to meeting all the required criteria, and you put in whatever data is sought digitally. Everything is done completely straight through, including your agreement, which is signed digitally. So some of these layers, like you called out, the digital public infrastructure has been a huge enabler. A is just going to complement that. So again, it removes the friction of uploading a bank account statement through a physical form or through a PDF upload. And AA is not just about bank statement anymore. If I, I told you the number of regulators and the kind of data sources which are getting tapped into. So at some point of time, you will see a completely holistic consent framework come into play, having multiple different holdings of the citizen and going beyond even AA, I would say there are multiple consent frameworks that are being you know, blossomed out in different sectors of the country so you have the health sector who has its own consent framework already today it's still nascent but it's already operational you have the agriculture sector which is in the process of implementing and rolling out their consent framework for the agri sector as well and all of these sectors will eventually dovetail into one kind of experience for the consumer is what we hope
1: right and but with so much data floating around whether it is uh, through financial information providers users how How does it get protected what are the safeguard measures in there any any insights you can share on that
2: i would definitely say the account aggregator ecosystem if anything brings in more security and accountability into the process so again looking at before and after before account aggregator you could go to a data source one is you don't know if this is an accurate source of data Two you don't know if the the individual or the small business is consented to sharing that data. So you're accessing data without someone's knowledge and without someone's consent. And you don't know where this data is actually being stored. Even the rules on data storage, data purging, all of that was gray. With the new data protection bill that comes in, it's extremely clear who can and who cannot store data and what is the intended use and purpose of data. So. Under the account aggregator framework and with the DPDP Act coming into play, it will become extremely clear for whoever seeks data to use data only when the user consents for that intended purpose. They cannot take that data and then use it for some other activity or sell the data for some other purpose. That is how the framework is designed. And the account aggregators are very much regulated entities. Their role is extremely clear and they don't have any access to clear data at all which removes that entire responsibility of data storage uh, from them. They have encrypted data that just goes by. And their core role is to make sure that the consent is stored, saying that person X has given access to a destination source of data for this period of time. And once that period of time is over, it does not permit the data to be fetched. So it's a very transparent framework. It will bring in a lot more trust, a lot more security. And in general, like how UPI took time to reach mass adoption, we think in the next two, three, four years, AA will also get to that point. Right.
1: Thanks a lot, Bert, for joining us today. Thank you, listeners, for joining us today. If you liked this episode and would like to hear to more such interesting conversations, do log into our channel, Why Not Mint Money on Spotify, where you'd always find me omnipresent. Also if you have any new ideas or suggestions you can dm me on twitter my twitter handle is at the rate Josh kriplani that is j a s h k r i p l a n i you can always reach out to us over the email our email id is ratelimint.com.
0: to stay updated on this podcast Follow us at HD Smartcast on all the major social media platforms. To listen to more such podcasts, log on to www.hdsmartcast.com. Are you a software professional looking to make a lasting impact on people and the planet?